Hello, this is Dr. Bob Melrose with another edition of iTalk, brought to you by the Brookside Optometric Group. Today we're going to be discussing a variety of topics, but the first topic we're going to hit on is a conversation that I had regarding eye strain, computer issues, and various lighting concerns that we need to have when we're working on our computers and laptops and phones and whatnot, which has especially gone up due to the uh, impact of the pandemic and working at home for our patients. And here is Dr. Van Well, it's interesting in this time of COVID, again, we're spending a lot of time at home and a lot of time online. And so people are working from home. People don't have to commute. They're telecommuting. They're staring at their computer screens. And then when we're done with that, when we're done with work, then it's time to entertain ourselves. When the old days we used to go somewhere like a restaurant or a movie theater, and now we're looking at our devices again. Uh, We're spending an unprecedented amount of time staring at computer devices. And computer devices are notorious for emitting blue light. Uh, What ways does the blue light uh, impact the eyes? Well, there's lots of studies that are being done right now because we haven't had this amount of blue light exposure for very long. And some of the studies are pointing to the fact that it's disrupting sleep patterns. There are also some other possible things that blue light might be doing, but we're not really going to know about them until we've been able to examine the data over an extended period of time. So once again, we have a situation where uh, due to probably the largest uh, single event that's altered lifestyles, giving us an opportunity to study a problem that we may not have had the ability to get data for for years. That's correct. This is an opportunity for turning lemons into lemonade. So what can people do now? Uh, People are on pads more, they're on their phones more, they're on computers more. What should people be looking for to uh, reduce blue light exposure or eye strain in general on those devices? Well, if you work with Apple products, there is a setting that's called night shift. And night shift allows you to flick a button and it lowers the blue light emission of your device while you're using it. That's all well and good, but not everybody is an Apple aficionado. There are some new coatings that are available that are anti-reflection blue light blocking coatings that actually mimic what the Apple product can do. And what happens is you can put these glasses on with this special coating and it will block that blue light exposure to the eye so that you don't have those effects of blue light, especially the cumulative effects over time, and hopefully get better rest. And whatever else blue light actually ultimately will do to us will be diminished by blocking that so that you don't have that exposure. So my understanding is the most common uh, symptoms of someone who is more susceptible to blue light, because some people are going to be more susceptible to this than others, is basically uh, some patients, if they get on their pads or their phones uh, close to bedtime, they end up with insomnia because they can't, uh, it affects their, their sleep patterns and whatnot. Is that the main thing that they should be looking for? At this point, that's the, the primary concern, uh, 
And given the unprecedented exposure that we're having with this blue light, because blue light is, I mean, the biggest source of blue light is actually our sol- our sun. But because the sun's only up a certain number of hours a day, toward the evening, we don't have that blue light exposure, or we didn't used to. Now, fluorescent light bulbs do that. LED light bulbs give you blue light exposure. Your LED, LCD televisions give you blue light exposure. Your computer screens give you blue light exposure. Cell phones, iPads, tablets, you're getting an unprecedented amount. And so hopefully by using devices that block that amount, you can actually get better sleep. And we're not, uh, we should make a statement here. Uh, Apple has not asked us to say any of these things. And Bill Gates, if you're listening, please don't get mad at us for recommending Apple products because you do have a blue light filter. Or perhaps, you know, think about putting that on uh, the the Windows displays. Is there anything else that people should be looking at with uh, computers? Is it uh, any value in uh, taking more frequent breaks or getting away from these devices for a certain amount of time? What would you recommend? Well, definitely taking breaks. Computer vision fatigue is has been around for years and years. And there are some issues that people have with lighting, with, with placement of their device. If I were going to give you some advice as far as lighting exposure, I would say don't put your computer screen against a bright window because the brightness of the light coming in from behind the screen will cause you to squint and strain your eyes to try to block that light. You also shouldn't have the screen exactly opposite a window because the light coming through the window will reflect off the screen back into your eyes. Something at an angle, um, the ability to diminish the amount of light in the room to the same level that's coming off of the screen is important. If you have a dim screen, you should have dim room lighting. That's contrary to what people think. Oh, turn the brightness up as high as you can on your lights so you can see what you're doing. You don't want to be switching from a bright light source to a dim light source or a dim light source to a bright light source back and forth because that will create additional eye strain. You want to try to equalize those two light sources so that you are not having to constantly accommodate from one to the other. And when you're saying take breaks, uh, I've seen a lot of patients that say, You know, I'm on the computer a lot. I try every hour to take at least a five to 10 minute break. And it's a wonderful time at that point to be able to uh, get on my phone and see what's happening with uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and things like that. I assume you're not saying that's a good idea. Well, taking a break from one electronic device to another electronic device is probably counterproductive. (laughs) (laughs) Taking a moment taking a deep breath, looking across the room, stepping outside of the room for five minutes, walking around, go get a drink of water and come back to your desk. That would make it a little bit easier to keep your eyes focused at that distance for an extended period of time that you can take the break, blink a few times, refocus on something else and come back to what you're doing. And people in general, if people are not having any symptoms of blue light uh, uh, sensitivity, uh, insomnia, things like that, reading takes effort. Reading takes work. Uh, The eyes have to actively uh, uh, work to be able to see things up close. Just that fatigue alone can be difficult for people after a long period of time, correct? Well, I ask 
some of my patients, I say, here, hold this pencil, hold it out in front of you. And they'll put their hand out and hold that pencil there. I said, that's pretty easy, right? Yes. Okay, do that for eight hours. Right. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Well, no, excellent tips, excellent ideas. Good news is uh, you have we have uh, uh, doctors at our office that will be able to help you with issues like this, that if you have any questions, uh, obviously Dr. Rick is very uh, uh, knowledgeable on this subject too, but... You know, keep, be aware of it. I think the the key thing here is is that uh, we have had a big change in our lives. We've had, had a big change in our society, and there's going to be fallout from that, and there be fallout that people didn't anticipate. And we have to be uh, ever vigilant to make sure that those uh, changes in our lifestyles aren't causing us any harm. Thank you, Dr. Rick, for that interesting discussion about lighting and computer eye strain. I know that these days there are a number. One complaint we have from our patients is computer eye strain, and hopefully this will give everyone a little bit of uh, understanding of what tools they might be able to use to minimize it for themselves. Up next is a lovely conversation I had with my beautiful wife, Dr. Rosie Melrose, related to the world of color vision. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I'm here today with my wife, Dr. Rosemary Melrose, to discuss what's changing in the world of optometry, and today's topic is going to be color vision. Now, Dr. Rosie, you've been involved with color vision for a very long time. How did you get started in that? Well, Dr. Bob, I think you know this is one of my very favorite topics. Um, first of all, it's just, it's interesting. I think everyone kind of wonders what colorblind people actually see. Uh, but you're right, this is my specialty. Uh, it was my area of research when I was in training. Um, but the exciting part is that after all these years, we finally have a treatment to offer people with a color vision problem. Now, before we get into the uh, treatment options and all, in layman's terms, how does color vision work and who gets colorblindness? Okay. Well, let me give you some background. Uh, first of all, those of us who work in the field really prefer the term color defective rather than colorblind. Um, you know, in eye care, we don't like using that word blind about anything. Uh, but one point about color vision problems uh, is that the severity of them really varies from so mild they're only detectable in lab conditions on up to very severe where people see maybe only 10% of the colors that color normals do. Um, and by the way, uh, people who have no color vision at all, maybe similar to a black and white TV, are very, very rare. Um, an interesting fact is that although 8% of males have this, only 1% of females do. So it's a heavily male characteristic. But basically, the color vision problems for these hereditary defects uh, stem from either the red or the green receptors being less sensitive than in a color normal person. So um, the reason it's more prevalent in males is that it's carried on the X chromosome. So this is something that sons inherit from their mothers. Uh, dads who have color vision problems can't pass it on to their sons because dads give the Y chromosome to their sons. However, daughters of dads with a color vision problem will carry this tendency. So uh, probably the best way to explain it is to use an example, and we can use our, our family as an example. Uh, so it turns out that I carry this tendency. I inherited it from my mom and never knew it, 
but um, women all have two X chromosomes. And in my case, I have one normal X chromosome and one color defective one. So then we go on in our life, and you and I had our two sons, and I gave the defective X chromosome to one of our sons and the normal one to the other. Um, so our son Kevin sees color the way you and I do, but for Brian, reds appear dull or dark. So that's why he always thought we lived in brown houses, but we never owned a brown house. He, well, that's one of the reasons, yes. There you go. Now, but you said before that there were some innovations now, some things we can do to treat colorblindness. What are those? Oh, sure. Yeah, let's talk about the treatments. Now, this is something that's uh, been discovered and brought to market just in the last few years. But the brand name of the uh, product is called Enchroma, and that's spelled E-N-C-H-R-O-M-A. And I'm spelling it because they have a very cool website that people should check out. And there are some really amazing YouTube videos that are made. But the way that it works is, do you remember before I said that color vision defects stem from a weak red or weak green receptor? Well, what the Enchroma glasses do is they amp up the red or the green uh, receptor. So even for color normal people, when they look through the Enchroma glasses, colors seem to pop. So when we tried this out on our son Brian, he said, oh, wow, red is really bright. And he and, my, and his fiance looked at each other and go, yeah, reds are bright. So, so some people, but not all, have a huge reaction to this. It's life-changing and it brings them and their family to tears. Uh, so if you wanna see some of those cases, you should check out the YouTube videos. But um, another example is Dr. Vanover's son never understood why people were so impressed by sunsets till he wore the Enchroma glasses and could see all the colors. So a uh, couple things to know about the technology. Uh, one is that it does not give a person normal color vision. Really, it's, it's an enhancement, but they still don't see things the way the rest of us do. Um, something else is that the benefit from the glasses really varies with the type of defect um, that people have. So it can range from uh, people who put the glasses on and look around and say, well, I guess it's better on up to the uh, YouTube moments that, that I referred to earlier. So people who have mild to moderate color vision problems uh, seem to have more benefit than people with severe problems. Uh, the green, also known as Dutan um, problems, seem to uh, have more of an effect than people with the red. So if you wonder if you what type of color vision problem you have, that website for Enchroma actually has a color vision test that pretty accurately diagnoses. And then one other thing to know is that we get more of an effect by wearing the glasses outdoors. Well, that's good to know. Now... A lot of people have, have again have already seen these types of videos on YouTube and all, and they're very they're very moving. Have you had an actual case of yours that had that type of reaction? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I did. And probably my favorite one was actually where our office, Brookside Optometric, was gifting a pair of Enchroma glasses to a victim of the Paradise Fire. And as I always do, we went outside to try it out, and then when the patient put them on. He's just looking around in the parking lot and the area uh, surrounding the office and just going, wow, wow, wow. 
when he finally stopped wowing, he, he turned and looked toward our building that has some brick de- decoration. And he goes, do you mean bricks are red? He goes, I always thought they were green. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And one final question for you for the world of colorblindness. If someone does have a red defect and they see somebody wearing a red shirt, some people believe that what they a colorblind person will see will be a disembodied head and two disembodied arms floating because they can't see the shirt at all. Could you just dispel that myth? <laughs> it's like the invisibility cloak with Harry Potter. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. I think uh, someone with a red defect looking at someone wearing a red shirt would just think that maybe they're wearing a brown shirt instead of a red one. There you go. So you've heard it from an expert. You will not see floating heads and arms if you have colorblindness. I want to thank you for coming in today. It really is a uh, uh, fascinating topic. It impacts quite a few uh, people, and it's exciting that we we finally have something we can do for people instead of just telling them, we're sorry, but you're stuck with us. So Mm -hmm. thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Dr. Rosie, for that very interesting discussion regarding color vision. So many people have questions about how color vision works and how it impacts people, and now hopefully those people have some answers too. Our final segment today is what we like to call our community corner, where we highlight either our partners or community leaders who are working to make our local community a better place. Today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Leela Chow. Dr. Chow has been involved in the Lions organization for many, many years and is here to talk about what they are doing to help bring the gift of vision to the world. Well, for the last 10 years, I've been involved with Lion's Eye Foundation, which is a Lion's Foundation out of San Francisco that provides free eye care, surgical eye care, medication for those people who do not have insurance and low income. That's fantastic. What types of things does the Lion's Eye Care uh, do to uh, uh, make this happen? Well, Lion's Eye Foundation have a network of Lion's Club in Northern California and Nevada. And those clubs and Lion's members in these areas help support us. But a lot of our funding comes from some of the general public, from some of our investments, which help with the surgeries and the medication. We also provide hotel lodging for those patients who have to go into San Francisco and can't afford to pay for lodging and it's too far for them to commute, say from Reno, Nevada to San Francisco. Got it. Now, does Lions do anything overseas? Lions Eye Foundation is strictly for Northern California and Nevada. Lions Insight, which was which I was involved in for over 10 years, does the international mission clinics. So there's two aspects of Lions Foundation. Got it. So it's a separate part of the same foundation. Is that right? No, there are two different 501c3 foundations. Okay, got it. Got it. So Lions Foundation is celebrating 60th anniversary this year. So it's actually been around longer than I have. (laughs) (laughs) But not as long as I've been around, uh, sadly. Now, uh, so if someone wanted to uh, donate to help someone 
truly locally uh, within our, our Northern California, within Nevada, which, which of the organizations would they donate to? Lion's Eye Foundation okay. of and California, then, Nevada. And then if they wanted to donate to help out someone overseas, I know our, one of our other partners, Dr. Our previous partners, Dr. John Dempsher, before he retired, uh, he was uh, going down to Mexico quite a bit and uh, helping out areas down there. And that was through Lions in Sight and another organization, I believe, too. And we'll have him on one of these days to talk about that. But what organization would that be if you wanted to help people in other countries? Well, it would either be Lions in Sight um, or Vosh, Volunteer Optometric Services for Humanities. And I assume with a little bit of a Google search, those are easy things to find. Is that right? Correct. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, again, thank you for what you do for our community. It's not everyone is uh, fortunate enough to have vision care, to have insurance, to have the access to these types of things. And the fact that we have so many great organizations out there trying to help out people that uh, wouldn't be able to achieve uh, proper vision without it is uh, that's very remarkable. Thank you. This wraps up another edition of iTalk. We hope you've enjoyed it. We hope that you tune in to listen to our further topics that we'll be presenting over the months ahead. Between now and then, if you have any questions about your vision, please feel free to join us on our website, www.brooksideoptometric.com, or see us on Facebook. Until then, be safe, be well, see well, and thank you for listening.